Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2017, y'all. This is Dave McClung. Welcome to The Grind. We have Chad Grigsby with us, as always. Good to be here. He is Happy New Year. so uber excited that it's 2017. You can hear it in his voice. I'm so excited. It's almost like we haven't left 2016. That's yet. right. You it's know, so it's weird, isn't so, it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just that excited about that's it. That's right. That's right. So uh, we uh, have a special guest in the studio today. In studio. In studio. No phone calls How today. Is this, this is live and in person. Mm-hmm. We have already decided that we're regretting uh, this move. Uh, this could be the downfall of the Grind podcast, ladies mm. and gentlemen. But we have the illustrious Wyman Richardson, pastor of Central Baptist Church in North Little Rock, with us. Thank you, Dave. Good to be here. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> Wyman is not used to such technology as podcasting, and so the microphone is looking kind of strange in front of his face. And so uh, we're going to try and ease him into this and get him comfortable here, but not too comfortable because then it gets awkward. I wonder, I'm terrified. I wonder if the yeah. microphone would say its face is looking a little weird next Ooh. to Wyman. Yes, I, I, yes, yeah. it would. Just Hashtag to be fair to the microphone. Horrifying and terrifying <laughs> words that come to mind. And so, uh, uh. well, we're excited to be back. Uh, after a short break in December, and I uh, hope you guys had great Christmas, great New Year's. Uh, I've celebrated 22 years of marriage with my bride as of Happy New Year's Eve, so that uh, is pretty awesome that uh, she has stayed with me for that long. Mm-hmm. I think everybody is amazed and surprised by that fact, and uh, yeah. she's a good sturdy woman. And, uh, <laughs> sturdy woman. And, and super patient. And uh, so because of comments like that. And so uh, uh, she is awesome. And uh, I am uh, immensely fortunate that uh, God chose to blind her during the whole courting process mm-hmm. so I could woo her with my awkwardness. <laughs> So, uh, so, uh, so, Chad, how was your Christmas and New Year's? It was great. We spent some time with the in-laws in Mississippi. That was good. Uh, we have a two-month-old, so it's always great traveling with a two-month-old and two dogs and a three-year-old. <laughs> so, and a bunch of stuff in, yeah. in one vehicle. So yeah. that was fun, and uh, a little time with my family in Memphis. So it was a, it was a really good time. Good, Wyman. Yeah, it was great. I managed not to uh, go to Mississippi. <laughs> I'd say it was one of the better ones. Or uh, be around small children. Nah, it was it was great. We're from South Carolina. We did our Christmas uh, uh, in South Carolina over Thanksgiving, so yeah. we stayed oh, wow. here. It was great, That's quiet, nice. low key Christmas. Good, good. Yeah, all right. For all of our listeners in Mississippi, we're sorry and apologize <laughs> yeah, for on all behalf. for all one that. of you. I did not mean that. <laughs> sorry, Ma. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Chance, mother, and to his children. Yes. <laughs> uh. Oh goodness. Well, we're uh, excited to have Wyman with us today, and we're going to talk about uh, kind of church planning partnerships as. Uh, Wyman has led Central Baptist Church in North Little Rock to partner with several church plants. And uh, he's also done a ton of assessments uh, on our church planting couples and 
has been a huge help and resource for us uh, in that regard, and has seen a you know a lot of uh, great things and uh, some challenging things in some of our church planning couples. And so, excuse me. And so we'll talk about uh, man. Etouffee is just kind of coming back up on me there for a second. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to edit that one out. <laughs> so, or not, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is just as real as it gets. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, it's been a great partner with us. And uh, so we're going to kind of talk church planning partnership uh, today. And uh, so why am I kind of... Uh, give us the story of Wyman Richardson. I know our listeners are dying to know what was your ministry, what has your ministry journey been like, and and how did you wind up in in Little Rock, Arkansas, or Sherwood, North Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, Central yeah, Baptist Church? Yeah, that's a good question. I had uh, <laughs> I had never visited the state of Arkansas until I was interviewed uh, for the wow. for Central Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. We've been here six years uh, this month. Came in January of two thousand and eleven. And um, we're from South Carolina. I uh, graduated from the University of South Carolina and went to Southwestern Seminary. I got married right after college, went to Southwestern Seminary. And um, I was there two or three weeks when I got a call from a little church in um, Jimtown, Oklahoma, which was right up over the Red River in in southern Oklahoma. And uh, they had called a... um, a friend, a friend of my brother's. I would, both my brothers are pastors, and I was in seminary with one of my brothers. And they were looking for a pastor. Long story short, about five weeks after I went to seminary, I was I began pastoring and um, have pastored ever since. So I pastored in uh, Oklahoma, and then graduated from Southwestern in uh, May of '98. And went and served four years at uh, Stonecrest Baptist Church in Woodstock, Georgia. And if we say Woodstock, everyone thinks Johnny Hunt. We always say we were the little church you drove past <laughs> on the way to <laughs> on the way to Johnny <laughs> Hunt's church. But it was it really was pretty amazing uh, pastoring about a mile from Johnny Hunt. And I, and I will say he is as genuine as people think. Uh, he didn't know me from Adam, but wrote me a, a personal letter, said he'd help me any way he could, and really really did. Didn't get to know him that well, but was a real help to, to me there. And uh, after four years there, we went to South Georgia, to Dawson, Georgia, which uh, if you know Georgia, is that's referred to as being below the Nat line hmm. in Georgia. And we were there for um, eight and a half years, had a tremendous ministry there, but um, in 2010 just kind of started feeling like it was time for us to go and re- really just kind of started putting resumes out and saw a resume for... Central Baptist Church in North Little Rock, and just kind of sent a cold resume. Got a call back. Things progressed. Came up here, met the folks, loved the folks, and uh, they called us. Been been here since uh, January of 2011, like I said. Um, and man, you know, it's been a it's been a great ministry. I, I felt called to to the ministry when I was 15. And I'm 42 now, and I have uh, I've never looked back on it. I've yeah. just always felt called to be a pastor. Love being a pastor. I feel like pastors complain too much. I actually feel like it's a it's an amazing life. It has unique challenges, but it also has just unbelievable high points. Yeah. I love yeah. being a pastor. Yeah, absolutely. 
uh, you know, any, anytime you're in any kind of capacity where you're working with people, you know, there are going to mm-hmm. be great highs and great lows. I mean, they just mm-hmm. are. You know, it's people are people, and <clears throat> we're all broken and <laughs> messed up, and yeah. uh, no exception in the church. And uh, uh, but you know, the opportunity mm-hmm. to really see life transformation and, oh, yeah. and be a part of that, you know, with families is is Unreal. incredible. I, I'd agree mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. <clears throat> so you guys have have partnered with. You know, a few different church planners over the last few years, uh, both here in Arkansas and New York and Seattle, I believe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so, you know, talk about some some things that you've seen in those partnerships, maybe some uh, expectations that you guys have of church planters that really help you sell those partnerships to your church, that really help uh, make the partnership meaningful and significant. What are, what are some things that uh, you know kind of help that partnership go well? Yeah, well, let me let me just step back first and say that my uh, my own journey with church planting has been uh, pretty interesting. I I, uh, I I actually you know I entered I entered at first kind of theoretically through the whole missional idea. Um, church planning was something I was aware of, frankly. I thought it was something larger churches did. Um, we, we, had mm-hmm. had, we had made some attempts to start a, um, a Hispanic church in, in Woodstock that didn't really get off the ground, so we were kind of vaguely aware of that. But honestly, Dave, when I, um, I, I remember hearing the concept of, of missional, and I remember writing it off as, well, h- here we go. Here's another the next thing. Word. Yeah, another buzzword. Yeah. But uh, when I was in Georgia, I started kind of reading about that. And really, I mean, during my transition here, frankly, um, Dave introduced me to Alan Hirsch. And I mean, I just really appreciated that very, very much. Brad Briscoe's work, uh, just the sentence, which uh, Briscoe quotes, I forget who says it. You can tell me who said it, that uh, God doesn't have a uh, mission for his church. He has a church for his mission. Mm -hmm. That, to me, has become just the seminal expression of, of that. So... You know, kind of concurrent with all of that, uh, kind of had been thinking through all of that and came here, and actually you guys asked if we could partner with a, with a, uh, a new church plant. Um, it's kind of a third-place uh, expression of, of church, and we did that. And so, man, I, I kind of, I would say I'm relatively new to this. I mean, the last six or seven years in particular, mm-hmm. but, um, man, I think more than anything, just the, the church is going to follow, by and large, the church will be as tribal or universal as the pastor calls them to be. Yeah. So if you if you reinforce the whole kind of consumer template, you know, contramundum, us against the world, I mean, it's, it's our church and our empire and this, that, and the other, then uh, church planning will never be on their radar. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, for me, it was, hey, let, let's do this. And, I, you know, I'm not a big... Uh, Man, I'm, I actually consider myself fairly skeptical of institutions, but I'll be perfectly honest. If I had to give an honest assessment, I would say that the uh, state convention and, and your office uh, and the church planning and you and Tim and you guys uh, really, really introduced me to this and brought me along in it. Mm. Um, as far as the question itself, um, you know, expectations for, for planners that we partner with, I... Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I want to be very transparent and not try to present myself as having done this well, but I'll tell you this: when we get uh, when we get uh, emails and texts from um, the church in Seattle, the Landing Church yeah. uh, that we partner with, telling us, as I got just a few weeks ago, man, we we baptized this many folks. God's moving. This has happened. Finally, had a breakthrough in this area where we're trying to build relationships with this group of people. That's gold. I mean, to be yeah. able to communicate yeah. the successes, it makes it makes the theoretical. Hey, we partner with this church. 
much more real when yeah. it's when it becomes tangible. Let me, let yeah. me piggyback on that because you hit that, and that's absolutely perfect. Something we try and communicate to our church planners all the time. We need those stories. Yes, yeah. Yeah. because right. those stories drive home what God's doing in those contexts, and it makes churches want to jump in and be a part of that. Absolutely. And you just reiterated yeah. that. Completely, and so uh, so that's huge. Yeah. And something else you said that I I'd just be curious to pick your brain a little bit on because you I think you said in in passing there that church planning is only something that big churches do. Yeah, yeah, that was my that yeah. was my mindset earlier. And, in and I and I appreciate that because I feel like a lot of churches feel like we're too small, we don't have the budget. True, you know, you know. So from your perspective, what do you, why do you think? What are some of those things that churches think because we're not a big church? What, why couldn't they do church planning as maybe a smaller, yeah. smallish church? Yeah, you know, I, I once uh, when I pastored in Woodstock right out of seminary, I went to a breakfast with Johnny Hunt. I don't know why I keep bringing up Johnny Hunt, but <laughs> I remember Johnny Hunt was encouraging uh, small church pastors, and I was a small church pastor. It's all relative, I guess. I'm still a small church. It depends on who you compare yourself sure. to, right? I mean, we're all small <laughs> churches. I mean, but he made a statement. He said, "You know, you guys may think that you're in the smallest church in the world." He said, but when you walk into that uh, hospital and they just that family just received news that they that, that that the mother has cancer, you're the biggest church pastor in the world. Wow. I would transfer that to church planting and hmm. say this: ask a church planter in Pine Bluff and Long Island in Seattle um, if you're a small church when you show up with a few people when you pray specifically for their needs, you're not. Right. You're not That's to good. them. Right. It's only us. Right. Um, you're the biggest church in the world to that church planner who's lonely. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know yeah. if that really answers what there you're saying. No, but there are helps. no small churches who partner with church plants. <laughs> That's in true. Other words. Right. Like you're That's a true. big church if you're partnering with that church plant. That's yeah. good. Yeah, and it's kind of the difference in language between established churches in the Bible Belt and mm-hmm. frontier churches. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, to... to uh, to someone who's lonely, they don't need twenty thousand people. They need one person good. to be their friend. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and we we hear this over and over and over. The big thing about partnerships is the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. know we're not in this alone. To know that there are people praying for us. To know that there are people that are in this with us um, is huge for church planners, but also for those partner churches mm-hmm. to realize: look, this is bigger than us, and it and yeah. and even though we may not be the largest just church in the world, we have a part to play in what God's doing yeah. you know, yeah. around the world in, in starting new churches. And so that's, man, that's that's awesome. So so communication's a big thing, relationships mm-hmm. a big thing. What are, what are some other things that you know really help you sell to your church? Hey, we need to be a part of this church plan. Yeah, for, for us, it's been going. I mean, currently, mm-hmm. we're co-sponsor, we are co-sponsoring a church or helping a church in the Pine Bluff area. Yeah. And but in terms of Seattle and Long Island, man, we're taking. Uh, last year we took two groups. The year before that took two groups. This year, taking your people to church plants uh, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's like anything else. We say, mm-hmm. man, you know, if you take your take your church on the mission field, they'll get a burden for missions. That's mm-hmm. the mission field, man. You take your church up there, and and the comments we get if we return from say Long Island, where we. Uh, where we um, are partnering with uh, Crossroads Church and Jamie Rogers, um, the Reconcile uh, uh, 519, I, I forget my number, uh, network up there. It's a NAM network. Um, the, the things that our folks remember, it, it, it isn't just the ministry. It's watching these, these church planners work. Yeah. They're amazed at all they're doing. 
That's great. So you create exposure with your people with the to, to the world of the church planner. They got a burden. They suddenly want to know how's he doing? How's his family? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So they need to see it. They need to see it. You take them there. Yeah, we yeah. I remember being in Africa and having a, a team that came over and they were asking the missionary, <clears throat> you know, we spent all this money to come here. You know, why don't we just give that to you to do your ministry and yeah. then but that that them actually seeing what goes on that that's going to produce funds yeah. for that missionary and for that seminary or whatever mm-hmm. church plant for years to come because of what those people have seen. So yeah, I think we absolutely. do undervalue seeing it, seeing what's going yeah, on. Yeah, we're going so. to uh, Honduras uh, next month in, in February, taking yeah. another team down there, and we're returning to a village we were at two or three years ago, maybe a couple years ago. And when we were down there, we, we got convicted over their floor. It's a dirt floor, cinder block church. And you know, just me and a couple other churches, our church and a couple other churches, we, we decided to go to our churches, ask for some funds. We, we built a floor. It's just a floor, nothing to us. We're going back down there, and our folks are so excited about seeing that floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you've got a connection, and I guess my, yeah. my point would be with church planners, man, you make an investment, you see their concrete world. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're in. Yeah. They're in that. at that moment. Well, you know, and that's another point. You know, something that seems small to us, <clears throat> you know, like a, a floor for a church building, yeah. uh, can be huge for, for that church that doesn't have a Absolutely. floor. Uh, you know, we, yeah. we, we have so many, all of our church planners have a uh, page on our website. And, and on that page, they'll have, you know, three or four wish list items. And it could be anything from chairs to projector mm. to uh, some children's, you know, uh, ministry supplies, things like that. And, and those are all things that we kind of take for granted in established churches, but you have to find those somewhere when you start something new. Yeah. And, and to be able to supply something like that may not seem like a big gift to us, but for someone that doesn't have any of that stuff, Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it's really hard to uh, walk into a place and sit down when you don't have any chairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Right? And, uh, and, and I mean, to, to, to think of that, you know, for church planning, uh, that was one of those kind of aha moments when we first started planning churches. And, of course, we planted City Church in, in Little Rock. And we moved. We were in the State House Convention Center to start with, which they provided all that. And then we moved into a building. We're like, um, we're going to have to find some chairs <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and that's not a, a not a, an easy quick thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, so even little contributions like that and investing in things like that are huge right. to church planners. Yep. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in their early early stages. So and that is one of the reasons why we put a wish list out there for Absolutely. our church planters. You know, mm. hey, here's some things that they need. Here, top three needs. Either it's a projector or a, you know or or a Chairs or Bibles, even yeah. You know, there's just yeah. so many different small small things to big things. Yeah, absolutely. That you can get involved in. We got a church player in Hot Springs, and and I'll buy Bibles for him periodically, a couple of cases at a time, because he's handing those out all over town. Does a lot of jail ministry, a lot of uh, just 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 interesting ministry in Hot Springs, and he gives out Bibles all the time, leading wow. people to Jesus. And so that that's a huge thing. It it can be a big expense for a church that doesn't have a whole lot of money. And but an incredible return on investment, you know, there and yeah. things like that. So, uh, so that's great. Um, so you've done a lot of uh, assessments for us as well on church planting couples, and uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, job well done, <laughs> gladly. 
And uh, uh, I always talk to my church playing couples after Wyman does an assessment on them, and and I hear a common theme that comes back: that dude's nuts. <laughs> and I, I said, in in every sense of the word that that phrase communicates, you know. And uh, so, uh, thank you for sharing your insanity with our church. You're players. welcome. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, so you've done several assessments over the last several years on church playing couples. What are some common things that you've seen as characteristics in these church planning couples that are strengths, maybe some areas that, hey, here's some some challenges that keep popping up over and over that, uh, you know, kind of gives some folks some ideas of, you know, here's some things we're trying to do to help these guys. Yeah, well, well first of all, I'm not, uh, I don't like this about myself, but I'm not a naturally optimistic person, actually. <laughs> but, man, I am, I, I'm overwhelmed. But I've done, a, I've, you're right, I've done a number of these assessments. I've done more this year, I think, than hmm. any other year, I believe. Yeah. And uh, just an un, it will give you hope and and where the church is, and uh, where the church is, and where it's heading to to sit there for two and three hours and listen to these church planners. I mean, wow. I I made the centerpiece of a, of a sermon, a Sunday morning sermon earlier this year. I was just still so overwhelmed by an assessment I'd done three or four days prior. Wow. I didn't even know what I was allowed not allowed to say about all that. But I said, man, I just want to tell y'all, man, I've I've saw. I saw Christianity in action, discipleship in action this week with a mm-hmm. church planner, yeah. guy who uh, did an assessment for. I've been consistently encouraged and amazed and even uh, even appropriately shamed. <laughs> the, I mean, the, <laughs> the faith and the courage. I listen to guys, I'm like, good grief, man. What? Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how amazing. Uh, some common things that do come up. Um, Time management is is consistently one of the uh, kind of weak areas. I don't even want to say weak areas because it is it's it's inherently a time management challenging yes, situation sure, to be yeah. in. Yeah. So I think it would be a mistake to say all these church planners have problems managing time. I think it would be better to say those who plant churches will have trouble managing. Time. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Because yeah, it's part of a time yeah. time management. Um, I think a lot of our church planners, the ones I've talked to, obviously finances, um, it's always kind of an issue. I'm not even saying that it's mismanagement or anything like that on their part, but the financial challenge, um, time management, and the challenge of family dynamics, which I'm sure you guys deal with a lot. But if I look back over the last few years of doing these, yeah, that comes up a lot. Now, these church planning families are under a lot of stress. Yeah, yeah. Trying to figure all that out. Yeah. It is. It's a huge step of faith. Uh, yeah. You know, I had a conversation with a church planning team the other night and was doing some personality assessment with them, and we we're talking about giftings and roles in their and as a part mm-hmm. of their leadership team. And and one of the guys on the team said, "I just left a seventy thousand dollar a year job." Uh, to get a part-time job to come here and be a part of this wow. staff yeah, for there this it is. church plant, yeah. and uh, and that's a that's a huge step, mm-hmm. you know, of faith, and a uh, lot of comfort and security that comes with that. And now the the exciting thing about that is the you know watching after a little while how God provides you know in those situations, yeah. but it's scary. Uh, particularly for the wives, uh, yes. more so than True. than for the husbands, and yeah. uh, so those are those are yeah common things. And that balance of of life, family, ministry, yeah, is is always it's hard enough when everything's established. It's hard enough when you're not having to build the sanctuary every Sunday morning, right? Right. Yeah. Four, right. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. 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 So. And and I don't want to like beat this drum to death, but 
you know, something that I just that I just put together is, you know, one of the things you've done to serve church plants is assessments. Yeah, yeah. and that's cost your time, but. Mm. Uh, do we offset cost for yes. that right in yes. our office? So it's really, one million dollars. Nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Basically, yeah. it's cost you your time. Is that accurate? Well, to say, yeah, I mean, or, it I mean, t- it takes time, but yeah. uh, I mean, it's that's a privilege, man. It's yeah. been nothing but, but a privilege. Well, but I guess I'm just saying is like yeah. here, that's something you realized you could do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and not yeah. only have yeah. has it served church planters. Mm-hmm. But it served you and your ministry and your church in a way because you said I built this whole sermon around, you know. So I yeah. guess I guess that's something where maybe if you're a church out there and you're an established church and you want to do something church planting but you don't know what it is, there's something right there, yeah. you know, that just saying, hey, I can yeah. do assessments for you. That's, you know, a, that's or, a great point. I mean, I would I would agree with you 100. percent You yeah. get pastors. Pastors who are listening to this who might could do these assessments, yeah. I think y'all offered training. We I do. Think. Yeah. And uh, I went through that and started doing these. Man, it uh, it puts it on your radar. And then it the only problem with it is it then becomes a matter of integrity and conscience because you're sitting there talking to these people. You know now they exist. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. Yeah. These wonderful people exist. It's harder <laughs> to just care about yourself. Right. After, <laughs> yeah, well. After listening to these church planners. It's yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I think, though, we've got to start thinking outside the box a little bit about what we have and what we can do versus right. what we can't do. True. Exactly. I think it's a great example of you doing that, saying, you know what, I can give my I can give a little bit of time to do an assessment every now and then to yeah. serve. And I mean that goes a long way for our team yeah. not having to drive somewhere or do something. Oh, you know, absolutely. so so yeah. not only does it serve us and serve the kingdom, but serves those planters just so that's yeah. that's really cool. How that yeah, happens. and there's there's I mean and that's the thing. We we believe our church planting team believes every church can be involved in church planting some way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to hear more about this as we kind of roll out some plans for different ways churches, regardless of size, regardless of financial stability, regardless of anything. There are ways that, that you can be involved in church planting. Prayer prayer doesn't cost any money. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. But the the impact of that investment is is incalculable. Uh, I I mean, it just just is. And and we hear story after story after story of of guys that, you know, have asked prayer for things and God does amazing things in this. So everybody can pray. Everybody could, you know, any any church could step in and say, hey, that that church needs some children's ministry supplies. Hey, we could could buy some children's ministry supplies, you know, Mm -hmm. for that church plant. Well, Dave, Uh, you you know, we did an assessment. I did an assessment uh, maybe three or four months ago, I guess, maybe a little further back is this year. And um, got to know this couple, unbelievable couple. You call a week later, hey, man, they need a, they need a trailer. We just happened to have purchased a new trailer. We had a trailer that was still in really good shape, yeah. hmm. kind of just sitting there. Give these guys this trailer, which wow. we have not, would not have had that connection except for through assessments and all yeah. of these kinds of things, which you guys foster. And, man, to get, uh, to get pictures, uh, texted pictures from mm. this church planner of, hey, we filled up the trailer with food and carried it around. Thank oh you, gosh. guys. I mean, we're getting thanked for stuff that was just sitting there. Wow. Yeah. And I think I'm just trying to agree with you, man. Um, I would ask our, our pastors of kind of established churches, uh, your, your junk is their gold. That's a, that's, a, that's a terrible way to put it, but I think yeah. you get the spirit yeah. of what I'm saying. Yeah. Stuff we have sitting around will, will, uh, can really help and change their lives. Yeah. And then you, then you don't want to just give your junk. Yeah. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? One man's trash is a church planter's treasure. Is that the way that goes? <laughs> Absolutely. I hope that's uh, taken the way I yeah. But think about the reach now that your church has. Mm-hmm. 
because you've partnered. I mean, you guys, you guys have reached into that community. Your yeah. church yeah. is having a, an, a, a gosh, what a cool effect. Yeah, but one of the things that's, that's so done neat. for me, just, just my temperament, it showed me how little we're doing. I mean, honestly, yeah, uh, I sit here and I think, man, they, there's a lot more we need to be doing, and there's a lot more we all need to be doing. Man, but but doing right. what you can, doing what you, you got to start start small, but yeah. start now. Right, you know that's yeah, exactly. a, that's one of my favorite Wayne Cordero quotes. Yeah, you know? start small, but start now, and mm-hmm. that's what you guys are doing. I just yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's what absolutely. And I mean, if, if every church did <laughs> what you consider small. Uh, it would re- it revolutionize the state. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right? Yep, I mean, absolutely. we'd see multiplication of churches. Yep. And- well, and it just, you know, you see, you know, how God is continually expanding His kingdom. You, yeah. you, there's, a, there's a renewed kind of sense of urgency that arises uh, when you get involved with the church plant. There's... There's kind of a fresh eyes pro approach to a community when you get involved with the church plants. All yeah. our church plants are continually exegeting their culture and trying to find ways to articulate the gospel and demonstrate the gospel in that context. Mm. And uh, and so uh, you know all of that helps the established church as well when you when you get involved and we see it over and over and over again. Uh, the investment you make in a church plant will be given back to you. Mm. You know, over Absolutely. and over again, um, you know, in in how God uses that to mold and shape your church yeah. and, mm. uh, and its yeah. mission, part of the mission. Um, all right, let's switch gears a little bit here because I'm going to talk about this. Uh, you've got a particular passion for preaching, and, you know, a lot of our church planners are really passionate about preaching and communicating the gospel. And, you know, talk about, you know, kind of how you prep for that, how you approach preaching in your ministry, and, you know, what role it plays in the broader ministry of Central Baptist Church, and maybe some encouraging words to our yeah. church planners about that. Yeah, I, I kind of feel I could be wrong in how I read the, the current kind of landscape, but... Uh, I feel like what I do probably every church plant would be advised not to do. <laughs> Man, I preach. I preach through. I preach through books of the Bible. We've been. Uh, I'm in my thirty uh, second sermon in Mark, and uh, we're in Mark eight right now. And, <laughs> yeah. and you could take that a lot farther, but uh, I, I, it's just a conviction I have. It, it just is. I'm not dogmatic about it. I don't yeah. knock topical preaching. I'm not that guy. I don't say if you don't do this. I think there's lots of ways to be faithful to the text homiletically yeah. without necessarily doing that. But a few things. We're, we're, now, on the, we're now kind of on the far side of, of, a, uh, of post-biblical literacy. Um, preaching mm. through the Bible is now fresh to a generation who has not heard it. I would wow. simply propose this to our church church planners to think that the average person in your church uh, may need a long, good, if possible, walk through Genesis more than they need uh, eight steps to a happy marriage. And I'm just happy to be an iconoclast on that and push against the grain a little bit and say, just consider the value of creating a culture that... Uh, Learn. So I had a guy last week in our church say, uh, "Boy, you are a man who is not afraid of long journeys." <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I said, "Yeah," but that's been extremely intense. Now, between books, by the way, beginning of the year, uh, I'm about to hit pause on Mark and uh, preach about our vision as a church yeah. for yeah. two or three months, yeah. and then I'll return to it. So don't be afraid to uh, preach through books of the Bible. And uh, I would also just just caution and say this. Oz Guinness once said, "Once you win, what you win them with is what you win them to. Mm. And I think that's extremely true. And I would just 
I would just encourage us to remember mm-hmm. um, six ways to this, eight ways to that, seven steps to this, 12 steps to that. Eventually, you run out of lists. <laughs> yeah. None of us are that creative. And eventually, yeah. perceived felt needs begin to drive homiletics. And that just means that homiletics has morphed into uh, therapy. And none of us are really great therapists. We're yeah. preachers. Right, right. Well, but so. think about all the good marriage content in Genesis. Yeah, absolutely. I'm being serious. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Th- th- there, there's, I mean, it's not the first book you go to. I found it consistently valid and uh, relevant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not the first thing you go to when you think about marriage. Sure. But, but I think about the way that, you know, Isaac and Rebecca got together yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, what was most important about their connection. It's just So I think to your point, you know, it's not that you don't want to preach on marriage, but maybe when sure. it comes up in the text in Ephesians 5, you preach on And by the way, but, I'm not averse yeah. to stopping and preaching on marriage, which yeah. I've done. I did yeah. uh, 10 sermons on lies parents tell themselves about yeah. their children, for yeah. instance. But that's fine. But balancing but, that yeah. out, not Can a have steady a diet of mm-hmm. the 10. That's kind yeah. of the way I preach at, at Compass. We would do kind of a book and then yeah. that type of thing, and a book and that And type I could thing. be wrong. Maybe you guys are doing this more than I think. Well, yeah, I, there's, I, there's I did. Quite a few. And I yeah. did a lot of like... Um, like we really would go like like you said through Mark like long way mm-hmm. and then I did four Sundays in Philippians <laughs> yeah yeah one chapter a week yeah, yeah. you know sure. and just shot it's right good. through Philippians you know yeah. so even varying up how you preach through a book yeah and taking it at bigger chunks I, yeah. I love I love the approach though that that, that you have I, I like yeah. it a lot I think that's well what, and, that's and what's I, needed in absolutely all and I, you can't assume anything anymore with people coming into the church that they know who you're talking about what you're talking True. about we we were. I will forget last church I pastored. Um, uh, we had a Sunday school class. And this guy shows up for Sunday school one morning, the first time he'd been to church, and they're sitting in Sunday school, and they kept talking about Paul said this and Paul said that. And he finally raised his hand. He said, "He said, who is this Paul guy you keep talking about? Does he live around <laughs> yeah, here?" Yeah, good point. And he had no idea. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I've heard a. Prominent preacher, I won't mention his name, but uh, I've heard him preach over and over and over. And every time he introduces a passage, he'd say, "We're going to be in the book of Isaiah today." And if you're, you know, new here, you know, you can flip over to the beginning of your Bible and table of contents, and it'll show you where it is. But it's about you know, go about halfway and then a little bit That's more, good. you know, yeah. and, and never assuming that they know who Isaiah is, never assuming they know how to find Isaiah in their Bibles, yeah. and uh, and particularly in church planting, when you're really trying to reach in to a community with people that have no church memory, no church background. It's a great point. Uh, preaching through texts like that becomes mm-hmm. very important for biblical knowledge and, and foundation. So good stuff, good stuff. All right, we're going to wrap this interview up with this question. Profound, profound question. Mm. Uh, <laughs> if you could say one thing to our church planners, maybe one piece of advice that you've gotten over the years that's been helpful to you or one thing particularly related to them that you'd say, what would it be? Well, uh, I know we, I know we need to wrap up, but a couple of things would come to mind. Um, the, the first is this: understand that you you are not the first person in two thousand plus years of church <laughs> life to have finally figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> there, yeah. there are institutional dynamics that will, and some might even argue to some extent, need to come into the experience of your church life. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be able to grow with that. Do not look down on the institutional churches for their structure because you will find yourself there at some at some right. point. So That's be right. very careful with that. And even dare to think there might be some wisdom 
in some of the traditional structures. It's some of it. Have enough humility to think that. Yeah, have enough <laughs> humility. And um, I would I would secondly say this after doing doing these these assessments, and I'm not saying that that I find church planters as a group uh, bitter or anything, but be careful not to import your past frustrations and bitterness into your current church planning efforts. Or else, instead of pleasing God, you really will just be trying to prove that guy who hurt you so deeply that you really are awesome. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. Look, we've all known what it is to get angry at church and say, well, I'll just go out, I'll show you. That's not a great motivation to plan a church. No. (laughs) You know, so so check, check your heart and mind and make sure God has called you to do this. Because if not... There will always be plenty of bitterness for you to uh, put on your back and carry elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Good word. Good word. Yeah, good time. I appreciate you coming in. This is fun to kind of hang around around the table. (laughs) Uh, We do a a segment with everybody uh, called Rapid Fire. This is designed to go quicker than the interview time, but sometimes it doesn't seem like it (laughs) does. Uh, So anyway, just your first kind of things that come to mind, real quick answers. Uh, We'll start with this. What is your top one or two books that have the most impact on you? Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Cost of Discipleship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Sanctorum Communio, which was his doctoral dissertation. Amazing study of the church. Dallas Willard, The Divine Conspiracy. Be three. Okay. (laughs) You, you've thrown out like three or four Latin phrases in this conversation. This is <laughs> this podcast has never been so highbrow. <laughs> That's right. The, actually, they don't mean anything. That's right. Just, yeah. <laughs> How about your biggest strength in ministry? Oh, my biggest strength in ministry. I actually don't think very highly of myself. I don't know, um, except for when I do. You know, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I, I tell you this. I. I I love the Lord. I deeply care about churches being churches. Mm. You know, I, yeah. I want the church to be the church, and we're always far from that. But that's why, Dave, the uh, Reformation mantra of uh, semper ecclesia reformanda. <laughs> <laughs> the church always reforms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So biggest weakness challenge to overcome using Latin in the podcast. Speaking uh, languages besides English during sermons. Oh, man. Yeah. So you think so highly of yourself. What are some weaknesses and challenges, you know, to, to you say the weakness in I think Latin? somehow I could think more highly of myself if I worked it. No, um, man, um, uh, time management's always a huge problem, uh, a huge problem for me, and also... Um, I, I'm always wanting to reach the point where I am operating in, for, for an audience of one, yeah. putting a disproportion, tying your psychology to your perception of what you think. Who, who was it? Uh, was it uh, David Siemens in, uh, in Healing for Damaged Emotions talked about the theory of the looking glass self? He said the average human being um, sees himself the way he thinks the most dominant person in his life sees him. Wow. Mm. So a person with an abusive parent will begin to think they're terrible. You know what I mean? Yep. Whereas a person who's been encouraged will begin... Well, my point is the dominant person in a pastor's life cannot be the congregation. Because mm. uh. then you tie your whole psychology to what you think they think of you. Yeah, yeah. Instead of to God. Yeah. You know, God loves you and has called you to this. Yeah. There's some gold there. <laughs> There's some gold there. That was good. Dropping uh, some gold. Well, it is, really for, it is for me, and I'm not there yet, but I, yeah. you know, just trying to 
trying to act act in a way that God would be pleased yeah. alone. Yeah, absolutely. What about a favorite hobby or pastime? Um, I like. Uh, Man, I'm really bad with uh, time. I really don't have a hobby other than uh, like uh, eating and reading. Which, uh, <laughs> Sitting on the couch, yeah, particularly a comfy couch. Why I look like the love child of T.K. <laughs> Chesterton and uh, Charles Spurgeon, <laughs> which isn't which isn't you know, theologically that's a schizophrenic creature. <laughs> He's got a Catholic and a Calvinist, and, but then just physically, it's not <laughs> where you want to be. We're just two dudes, whatever. <laughs> well, I don't yeah. know. The fact that let's, it's biologically let's impossible. Let's not worry about, worry about the theology. Yeah. It's the biology. Large, yeah. hairy-bearded fellows as yeah. well. Oh, Who was adopted us. by John Hagee. I'm just trying to think of all the <laughs> rotund great Christians of the past. But, yeah, I need to, I need to get a hobby. Probably uh, self-discipline would be a good one. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. My hobby is cupcakes. <laughs> yeah. No, not baking them, eating them. Yeah. Yeah. Paying for them. Oh, so you like to bake? No. Nope. <laughs> nope. I just like eating them. Oh. Yeah. Bonhoeffer and cupcakes. That's pretty much what I do. That sounds like a great discipleship. Yeah. You know, of course. Yeah, hey, we're going to have Bonhoeffer and cupcakes tonight. Yeah. Thursdays yeah. at six. The cost of discipleship and the cost of eating cupcakes. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, this is descending into madness. Oh yeah! <laughs> All right, favorite movie: uh, Franco Zeffirelli, Brother, Son, Sister Moon, yeah. the 1972 movie about uh, Francis of Assisi. Yeah. And the second one would be The Mission. Oh. Uh, with uh, Robert De Niro and uh, a young Jeremy. You Irons. are the second and podcast guest that have has mentioned the mission. Who yeah. was the other? Uh, Todd Trivia. Engstrom. Engstrom did. Okay. Yeah, Todd yeah. Engstrom mentioned the mission. Serious yeah. movie. Yeah. 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 Sure did. Sure the did. Mission and Brother Son, uh, Sister Moon. Yeah. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, yeah. Favorite band or musician? Uh, Bob Dylan. I was about to say, I think I know the answer to that one. Yeah. Bob Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. We just won the Nobel Prize in Literature. Yeah. And uh, did not show up to receive it. <laughs> so he had a prior commitment. I'm sure he just forgot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sent someone else. So. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash, probably those two. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right, man. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you, guys. uh, Fun, as always. And uh, if you guys haven't had the pleasure of meeting one Wyman Richardson, your life is lesser for it. Yeah. We, we have we have laughed some kind of awesome today. Yeah, in the, yeah, in the yeah. pre-podcast and even during the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And what I, what I keep trying to think about is how do we how do we like merge Spurgeon and Chesterton's name together to make like a Spurgeon or something? Spurgeon. <laughs> well, they combined Chesterton and Hilaire Belloc. They called him the Chester Belloc. <laughs> His friend. So you could uh, say the Chester Spurgeon. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of like that. Spurgerton. Spurgerton. <laughs> that's that's all I've been spinning. I don't even know what y'all said the last few minutes. I've just been, <laughs> been thinking, thinking about, about that. How do you yeah. think about this? Charlter uh, Spurgerton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, okay. Before this descends anymore, we're gonna wrap this up. Mm. All right. Thanks, Wyman. Thank See you, buddy. guys. Thank you. All right, guys, what a great time with Wyman. He is just one of the funniest guys on the planet and uh, so sharp and uh, has become such a great friend and uh, just loved several things uh, that he said there. Uh, 
you know, so many things we, we've said and heard on this podcast about the priority of relationships, yeah. you know, in church planting and how important that is, not just to the church planter, but to the established church Absolutely. as well. Uh, you know, the fact that uh, while they're not a large church, uh, they got three different church planting partnerships going right now, mm-hmm. various Various levels. Uh, some they're funding, some they're not. But but all having boots on the ground, people involved, and in how it's transforming their church, and uh, uh, all that stuff. So good. Yeah. Uh, and I tell you, Wyman is he, he's deceptively good at leadership and mm-hmm. leading his people and developing leaders around him. Uh, he's got a crew of men and women uh, at Central in North Little Rock that that are just fantastic leaders. And uh, uh, the way they're leading this church together, the way he involves his deacons and his leaders there um, is just incredible. And that church is doing some amazing things uh, under his leadership over the last six years and has really transformed its identity That's in awesome. a lot of ways. And yeah. so I uh, uh, love that guy. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, one of the things that stood out to me that I think is really crucial for church planters is uh, he said, "Don't don't take all of the in- things about in- the institution that is church and throw the baby out with the bathwater." Right. Essentially, and I, I really love that because um, I think it was Tim Ketchum who once said. Uh, a body without a skeleton is just a glob, you know, <laughs> yeah, on yeah, the flow yeah. of like organs and exactly, <laughs> you know. So you need a skeleton. Yeah, everybody needs a skeleton, and right. so the, the the church is a body. It's right. got to have structure. It's got to have a certain frame to it. And I think even with uh, that conversation with Alan Hirsch and Tim Keller, right, was you know I think Keller challenged Hirsch a little bit to say, hey, the church needs. An institution, in a sense, and I think I think Hirsch came back and said, "What well, needs structure?" You know, right? But but just to see that conversation, I think both guys with two different ecclesiologies saying we need some kind of structure here. Exactly. So anyway, all that to say, I thought that was very insightful. Yeah. Uh, of yeah. him to say that to say, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, don't take everything about church and swing the pendulum the other way, because eventually you're going to have to build into your church, into your church plant, some of the things that the institutional church is. It's yeah. just part of doing church here. So that was really helpful, really good yeah. wisdom. And so as you're as we're thinking about contextualizing church and church plants, uh, we gotta we gotta think strategically about how we're how we're building the church. Yeah. And not yeah. just throw everything out or react or, you know. Yeah. Well and, and the reality is every church plant Five ten years down the road is an established church. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and there's That's going to be there there are going to be some elements of structure develop in that process. And it may not look like the churches you've been a part of before, but there has to be some kind of organizational systems or structure for it to continue to function yeah. uh, as an organization and uh, as a body of believers. Otherwise, it's not going to last. And and so I, you know, I always tell guys, you know, be careful of your criticism of the churches you've been a part of in the past because those same criticisms will be leveled at you at some point. You will be that church at some point if you're not careful. And uh, and so, um, yeah, that's that's great stuff. And, you know, Central is a great example uh, of a longstanding established church with an incredible history that continues to try and find new ways to impact its community and 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 be on mission in its context. Mm-hmm. 
and be a part of kingdom growth around the country, around the world. I mean, they're doing work in Honduras, uh, Seattle, Long Island, New York, Pine Bluff, North Little Rock. So they, they're, they're really truly an Acts 1-8 you know, kind of church, and uh, are doing some really some some incredible things. Yeah, in uh, ministering to the poor in their area, strong, strong benevolence ministry to the poor there at that church. Yeah, uh, but doing church planning, doing mission work, sure. everything. So I think it's neat to see how kind of they got involved in church planting. Yeah. And how it was such a small thing, maybe starting off, and now they're in three different locations, yeah. and now they're giving a trailer to a church, and now they're... It's just crazy how when you start with the relationship, or with, you start seeing ways that you can partner that you didn't know you had. Exactly. And, so, and even he said, you know, how it's affected his church in the sermon. Like, we think about, hey, partner with a church plant, and you give something. Yeah. But think of all the things he talked about that they've received right. from partnerships. Exactly. exactly. So I don't know. I guess I just I – w- I wish we could get that. You yeah. Know, get that. I go back to Jesus and the boy with his little lunch. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, it, it wasn't about what don't I have. Yeah. I don't have enough food to feed all these people, yeah. so I'm just going to eat my lunch and be quiet. Right, right. But no, I'm taking what I have and bringing it to Jesus. Yeah. And you letting know. him do with it what he can. Exactly. Yeah. And and so I think that's, you know, if, if for our churches in Arkansas, that would be, you know, part of our heart to see them just engage in any way they can. Yeah. You know, what way can you be involved is just a starting point. It may never lead to anything You're else, right, you right. know, and that's fine, yeah. you know. It, do, it doesn't have to. Yeah. But I don't know. that I, I just was really encouraged by his story. And, you know, he said, oh, we're just not doing enough. But I, I think what they're doing is – I mean, they may need to do more, but what they're doing is great. It is. I, I just really – I really appreciate fantastic. his heart about that. And, I, you know, to our church planners out there listening, you know, you get to hear from an established church pastor – uh, saying that he thinks you're amazing people. Yeah. Uh, the commitment, your courage, your faith uh, is, has been a challenge to him mm-hmm. and an encouragement to him. We want you to know that Wyman's not alone in that. We hear this all the time from some of our pastors across the state that have gotten to know you. You know, and to our established church pastors that may be listening, we would love to connect you with some of these dynamic young couples. Yeah. Uh, they really are uh, a, a challenge and encouragement to our team, you know, every week. Uh, just their love for people, their love for the church, their desire to have long lasting kingdom impact. Uh, is just is is amazing, and we yeah. we want everybody to get a chance to be around some of these couples. Yeah, and, so, and if you, if you're an existing church, you know, or a church plant that's interested in partnering, you know, shoot us an email at thegrind at absc.org yeah. and say, hey, I'm interested in you know kind of what it would look like to to just be a part of church planting in some way, and we'll we'll, we'll we will find a way to make that happen. Absolutely, you know? absolutely, absolutely. All right, we're going to kick it over to story time with Uncle Neil at this moment. It's story time with Uncle Neil. Today's story comes from two new church planters. The first is Pastor Isa Brodus at New Faith Church in West Helena, Arkansas. He shares a simple story of the power of simple relationships. 
He states that while playing a game of basketball with some younger guys in the area, he began to share the gospel and one 19-year-old accepted Christ. The next story comes from Harvey Hibner in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. About a month ago, Harvey baptized a young couple at the river in Pine Bluff. From that moment on, this couple has been on fire about sharing their new faith in Jesus. This couple, as Harvey describes, has literally been on the street sharing with everyone about their faith in Jesus. We want to know your story. Email us at thegrind at absc.org. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. What is this? I'm still sore I never read Moby Dick. I'm very important. You never read anything I asked you to. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. Let's look at Chad and Dave's bookshelf. All right, uh, time for our uh, uh, next installment of uh, Chad and Dave's bookshelf, and uh, to give a taste of what we're reading and uh, who we're learning from in this particular segment. I don't what know why I'm talking this? like this. What is this voice? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, and a good one, but a long one. So uh, I'll kick off uh, this week. I just finished uh, Incarnate. Uh, by Michael Frost, uh, The Body of Christ in an Age of Disengagement. And uh, I, you, know, you guys have heard me talk about Alan Hirsch and Michael Frost before. I love those guys. Uh, this book was, uh, was fascinating to me. And kind of the central premise of the book uh, you know, is based on kind of the incarnation of Jesus, that he came uh, took on flesh and blood and dwelt among us. And, and what did it look like for Jesus to dwell among us, to do life with us, uh, to show us a new way to be human, that, that uh, faith and discipleship is, uh, you know, being a Christian is, a, as it, is an embodied faith. And so many things that we do, so many things, practices that we have and habits we have in our life are, are disembodied things. Mm. Uh, our communication wow. now is excarnate, as he would say. You know, we're email and text and mm. not even phone calls you know, anymore. Uh, he talks about uh, the, the lies of, of pornography as a, a disembodied thing. There's no, um, you know, engagement with another human being there. It's all fantasy and lies. And, and uh, I mean, there's so many different ways that we excarnate or separate ourselves from other people. And, uh, and we're growing increasingly more excarnate. And it really was an incredible challenge to think through that, okay, if I'm a disciple of Jesus, it is necessary for me as a disciple of Jesus to be engaged with other people. Hmm. other disciples and people who are not disciples. Uh, the only way I can disciple somebody else is to be with that person, hmm. to take on flesh and blood and dwell with them, uh, to to incarnate the gospel in, in their lives. I, it, it, I thought it was a fantastic kind of reminder and really a, a, a checkup, uh, a check for the church that if we're not careful – we will, you know, e- even the way we gather on Sunday mornings is kind of an excarnational way of gathering sometimes because we're uh, uh, retracting from the world to a place 
with believers, like-minded people, and there's some some embodied things that can happen there. Uh, but then we rarely leave our gatherings and incarnate back into the world, engaged huh. with the world, and really some some uh, there, and there's some things in there that I don't know that I'd agree with everything. And I know some some readers going to read this and say I'm not sure about that, but really the heart of the book uh, that we need to be in embodied faith is I, I think a uh, much needed uh, wake up call for the church. Great great stuff. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if it's Hugh Halter and Flesh. Uh, which is kind of a similar idea, but he said we we really undervalued the incarnation as a central part of our faith. Yeah, you know we go to the cross so often as the central part, but he makes a strong case for the incarnation being, you know, hugely valuable, and that's obviously true. But that that's just what we celebrated when we celebrated Christmas. Yeah. you know, was the incarnation. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's so much value that we get from Jesus's incarnation on how we should then, you know, take on flesh. I, yeah. I, I love that concept, love that idea. Yeah. And Jesus didn't just come to rescue us. He came to show us what being truly human is. was about. Yeah, that's you right. Know? That's so right. here's some really great implications. That's that's valuable. I am... Um, I've been reading A Meal with Jesus by Tim Chester mm-hmm. and just fascinated. I mean, I, I like to eat. I guess everybody does. You have to do <laughs> yeah. it three plus times a day. Yeah. Five um, times. Five maybe. times ish, yeah. you know, Six. whatever. Uh, he, he just talks about how eating is so central, so important to life, and how food, food is so central to life. He says there's three statements that are made. Uh, I believe it's the Gospel of Mark, uh, if I'm thinking correctly, about Jesus. The, the Son of Man came. So the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's the first one. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, give his life as a ransom for many. And then the third one was the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. So he said, you know, 33% of what the Son of Man came to do in that gospel was eating and drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's what we see Jesus always doing. Jesus is always eating with somebody. He's always sharing a meal. He's always around the table. Yeah. Um, and just the implications of that, that, that sharing a meal really is more than just consuming food. Sharing your table with someone is friendship. It's relationship, you know, and just how central and important food is. You, know, you mentioned, I think, the Old Testament that, that you know, seven seven times a year they were feasting. They were right. having some type of feast like every other month. You right. Know? Uh, that was multiple weeks, at, you know, at a time. And that was more year. than just commemorating an event. Yeah. That was, I mean, it, it, back to what Frost is saying, that's embodying the right. faith again. Right. You're doing life with people, sitting down with people. Yeah. He, he talked also about the, the place of the table in mm-hmm. families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how you know so few families sit down at dinner table and and share their day. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and I th- you know, Jesus did that all the way through yeah. the Gospels. Yeah, um, yeah. We were. It's funny. We were talking at a, at church uh, Sunday about the Lord's Supper, and we were just you know we're not we don't know we're not trying to say that this is the way it is, but we, we took communion with little wafers and dipped it in juice and ate it and served it to one another. But we, we were kind of talking, I was like, do you ever think that maybe we're missing kind of the thrust of what communion is? Because for Jesus, it was a, it was a meal, was a meal. With, with, with the close people he's with. So I said, so did we maybe commune more with Jesus and each other around the tacos we just ate <laughs> yeah. versus the cracker and juice we just took in 45 seconds? Right, right. You know, and, I, and again, I don't, I'm not trying to, like get off on some theological rabbit trail here, but 
I do think there's something to that shared community, shared life, shared body around food, around a meal that that is very spiritual. It is very, uh, very part of a, part of our everyday life. So thinking of of food in that way, but also thinking, all right, you got to eat 21 times a week. How are you going to eat with people who don't know Jesus? Right. You know, and just use use a meal as a vehicle uh, to to have gospel conversations. I just I don't know. I thought it was pretty fascinating. Um, so still still reading it, but really enjoying it. So a meal with Jesus by Tim Chester. Highly Good deal. Recommend it. Good deal. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, we're wrapping up today. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, once again, you know, check us out on Facebook, ABSC Church Planting, Twitter, AR Church Plants. Uh, Instagram, ABSC Church Planting Team, our website, absc.org, all of that stuff. Uh, And also, uh, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, you name it, (laughs) and uh, uh, in the uh, Cyberverse there. And so uh, coming up, we've got uh, some great things coming. Uh, We've done a lot of strategy planning over the break and really excited about 2017 for church planning in Arkansas. Some neat things coming up. Uh, I've got Jared Wilson coming in yeah, August. Yeah, just confirmed him August 19th in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, so. for a one-day event, and we're going to try and get him on the podcast as well. Uh, we're working on a uh, preaching conference one day that'll be a blast. Uh, some neat things happening with that. I've uh, got George Ross from New Orleans, a Send City Missionary in New Orleans, coming to uh, the Evangelism Conference to do a church planning breakout there. Uh, you guys will really love getting to, to know George and hear from him. And uh, saying send city missionary makes me think uh, I need to clarify something here uh, for my Methodist friend, Nick Works, who pointed out <laughs> and misheard us saying sin city instead yes. of send city. Right. For our non-SBC listeners out there, we are talking about 32 send, as in I am sending people to these cities to plant churches. Yeah. <laughs> when we say send city, my southern accent does not always enunciate like my mouth wants it to. So, uh, <laughs> so George Ross is a send city missionary in New yeah. Orleans and uh, and so uh, have him on and uh, uh, also our uh, incredible associate executive director uh, will be next up on the podcast Greg Addison uh, you guys will have a blast hearing from them he is uh uh, one of our biggest cheerleaders in church planning in Arkansas. I can't wait to talk church planning with him. So we'll have a lot of fun with him. So uh, hopefully 2017 is great for you guys and kicking off well. And uh, we'll see you next time on The Grind. Keep grinding. <laughs>